You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Okay, on today's episode of The Mitch and Rich Show, we are continuing our watch of Oscar-nominated Best Picture Films, and we are going into The Sound of Metal. Richard? The Sound of Metal! Yeah! I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly how that went. Yeah, I, uh, that was probably the most metal thing I've done today. <laughs> Uh, before we get into that, we'll get into a little bit of movie news and just to see how it's all panning out. First thing I wanted to talk about was Paramount. Paramount went and moved uh, a lot of their slate for this year. Um, some of it got moved further down the, the year and some of it got moved to next the following year and stuff like that. So you got Snake Eyes moving to uh, July 23rd, 2021. This is the snake guys origin movie for uh gi joe oh right yeah uh, it was like not a continuation of the nicholas cage movie no, from not a remake of the nicholas cage movie from the, the early, 90s like, yeah the mid 90s late 90s mid late 90s yeah somewhere there uh, yeah, apparently there's a new jackass movie that's going to be moved to october 22nd 2021 really yeah did not know that either i didn't yeah that's uh, particularly strange i guess Top Gun Maverick, which is uh, moving to November 19th, 2021. Hmm. Okay. So it was originally May, right? I mean, originally it was last year. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not originally, but after the first push, it was pushed back to May of this year, wasn't it? I think so. Or at least summer. Or July. Yeah. Because I think it was summer. supposed to be a July movie the first time around, too. Okay. So yeah, definitely in that summer it, blockbuster. I'm sure that with... Um, Black Widow now moving itself to Disney moving Black Widow to July 9th. They were like, mm, maybe we don't want to go up against that. Yeah. So they moved to November 19th, 2021, which I believe is when Shang-Chi is coming out. So I don't know if they want to go up against that either. Hmm. Uh, then Mission Impossible 7 is moving to May 27, 2022. And Dungeons and Dragons, uh, obviously a movie adaptation of the, of the popular board game. Uh, is moving to March 3rd, 2023, and Mission Impossible 8 is moving to July 7th, 2023. <laughs> That's so crazy. Like, it's just insane to hear Mission Impossible 7 and Mission Impossible 8 and that same thing. Right. Like, that's pretty wild, but I'm not shocked, but it's I pretty mean, wild. 2000, when Mission Impossible 1 comes out, did you think that we were going to... Was it 2000? Was it before that? I think it was 99. I feel like I was already in college, so I don't. I, but Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, did you think we'd be getting to Mission Impossible Eight? Uh, no, no. I mean, I guess you know. To be fair, though, at that same time period, like I, sequels just weren't anywhere near like the With popularity the, that they are now. I mean, like the you know, I I don't know if, if they were to announce anything and it does good now. I'm like, well, we're getting ten of them. Like, but <laughs> no, like I I would have never assumed we were going to be pushing. The boundaries of 10 Mission Impossible movies. I mean, I I always figured that after Mission Impossible 2, which I do appreciate more now, but at the time I was like, this is not what I was expecting. And and I didn't, I really felt like it didn't do all that well. I would not have expected them to get to Mission Impossible 8, but here we are. Yeah, the second one definitely, um, well, it's, it's, I guess, kind of fascinating because a lot, like, Brian De Palma did the first one, mm -hmm. and a lot of people complained that it was too... Heady. Uh, yeah, like, it was, you know, you had to think too much about it, or it was too confusing, <laughs> or something to that effect, and so then they, they're like, okay, well, what can we do? I know, let's get the infamous, awesome action director, John Woo, to come in and uh, turn it into an action franchise, and then they went that route, and it feels like that also didn't do too well, because you now had this group of fans that were like vested in this really spy craft type of film and then it comes away from it it kind of ends up becoming more of of what you would expect like i guess a james bond movie to kind of be and as it's progressed i think it's kind of continued to evolve and find its own um footing but uh, yeah it's I, I think whatever you have a franchise and 
you take it from one end of the you know spectrum to the other, you're going to alienate someone in yeah, that process. No, of and I course. feel like that's what happened. I mean, For you the, definitely get different types of movies throughout that. I mean, when you get to the Brad Bird, you know, Mission Impossible Three, yes. it's 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 more of a overproduced stylized movie, which right then sets the tone for the rest of the movies that come after that so very true so the first one uh-huh. uh, i just looked it up on the imdb's and uh 1996 wow i was really off so i was not yet in college yeah, you're only four years off that's not, <laughs> that's not that far <laughs> fair fair okay so mission impossible 8 2023 i mean we just gotta hope that we hold out for that long that's true yeah i mean I'm also just, I, I guess, curious to see. I, I feel like they've all continued. Like, I don't know. I've enjoyed all of them, and, and I think I've enjoyed all of them for very different reasons, but um, it is a franchise that I feel like has, like I said, it's kind of managed to find a way to somehow be kind of fresh every time, every, every outing. You know, there's, I, like, the stunts just keep getting crazier, but not in an unbelievable way. Like, you have, like, the Fast and the Furious where, like, yeah, they got to the point where the cars were basically flying, <laughs> and, like, I don't feel like... I don't feel like Mission Impossible's lost that level of grounding. Like, sure, there's some creative liberties, of course, you have to do that, but I don't recall it ever being like that far over the I mean, like it's had some crazy stunts, but they somehow managed to always feel realistic well, to me. Well, I mean, for the most part they are realistic. Like as as I understand it, uh Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise sit down and be like, Well, what's the crazy stunt you want to do in this one? And then they build a movie around that. Like, I want to climb the tallest building in all of the world and be hanging from it. I want to be hung from the side of a, a, a jet a as it's taking yeah. off. You know, all these things is just okay, sure. I want to fly a helicopter through a canyon chasing <laughs> Henry Cavill. <laughs> All right, let's or do the, it. What was it. That one was also the, the halo jump, right? That was the, yeah. I want to do I want to do a halo jump and you can film it the whole way down. It's like, yeah. that's insane. So uh, is Mission Impossible like the one that he's shooting part of in space? I, I'm doing air quotes for those of you that can't hear the whiffing wind through my fingers as I say that, but... I don't think it was. It's a different I Tom think it was Cruise supposed movie, to be a right? Yeah, a different Tom Cruise okay. movie, but I'm sure you know what, if... They're going to be going into space. It's like, let's film a couple things here. We'll just use it for other movies. I mean, you get Tom Cruise into space, you might as well. Like, yeah. You might as well make like five movies because that guy just, from what I hear, never stops working either. Like he, I guess, would work seven days a week, like as many hours as he possibly could. So, yeah. I, I Well, not only that, I mean, you might as well start filming scenes for Mission Impossible 10 because we all know when you get to the 10 sequel, you got to go to space anyway. So now they're going to have in space, actually in space, on a movie screen that's crazy it sounds like tom cruise though like that's like the most tom cruise thing i could think of is like i've got to outdo the stunts of every actor in hollywood let's go to space (laughs) but real space not not like fake stage space not that fake space that we saw in uh in those star wars movies yeah yeah none of that none of those jar jar binks so speaking of star wars oh did you ever watch the tv series fleabag uh yes. it's on amazon it's, prime it's yeah amazon prime i think there's mm, two or three seasons at this point I think it's just two seasons yeah and yeah. um it's it's like i don't remember her name but she's a comedian in real life or like right? she's a writer comedic writer writer comedic writer okay she's phoebe waller bridge and there this is go. how it, it it connects back to star wars oh. she was the voice of el le le in solo oh the 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 ai the robot the okay. robot that um hung out with Lando. Okay. And no Calrissian. Uh, so she is going to be in the next Indiana Jones movie, Indiana huh. Jones five. So this, so she, in solo, she didn't actually work with Harrison Ford. Now she will get to work with Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones five, which I honestly don't know what she's going to be playing. I hope it's not like a love interest. Cause that's just too creepy. Like, Cause he's so old. Uh, but, I don't know. How do you how do you feel about her and her being in, in in Indiana Jones? How do you feel about an Indiana Jones five? Honestly, you know, I, I don't know. I, I personally, I've, and I guess it's to be fair. I've only watched the Crystal Skull, I think, once, and I was like, that's enough. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. I mean, maybe I should go back and give it a second chance or try to be you know more subjective in watching it. But um, 
I like the first three. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I do. The other one just felt like, hey, we need to make this to keep the rights or something. Like it didn't feel like there was that much effort really put into it. So, you know, again, this is where the industry is at. Like they're definitely targeting uh, sequels or existing intellectual properties. And uh, you know, I do like Indiana Jones. I think that if they, you know, I think if they kind of go back to just creating a good movie, um, it it really felt like the Crystal Skull was more of like, okay, well, we have to do this one quick because we're really trying to set up a new spinoff thing with like Shia LaBeouf. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just, it, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was like this standalone Indiana Jones film. It felt like we're going to give you a slice of Indiana Jones, but we really want you to pay attention to this other thing because this is where we want to take it. This is going to be the future of the franchise. And then that whole thing just kind of fell apart for uh, probably tons of different reasons, I would imagine. So, you know, I think if they come back to it and they're like, let's get back to kind of the the roots and the ideas that made those first three movies so good, um, I think, I, I mean, I would watch it. Like, I, I have a hard time saying I wouldn't watch anything anymore because, like, Cobra Kai. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And then I watched it, and I was just, I kept watching it. and kept watching it, and I was like, okay, I would have never thought I wanted that. But now that it's here, I genuinely enjoyed it. And I, so I don't know. It's weird. Like, you know, you I think you have that mindset of you're like, well, can we, can we really let Indiana Jones rest? But, you know... Obviously not. Like, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. It just depends on how they handle. I don't know. What do you? I mean, I am. I, I am not the. I am not one of the the people that that completely hated Crystal Skull. Okay. Um, I I really I really enjoy like uh, Raiders, not Raiders. Uh, Temple of Doom. No, I mean I like Temple of Doom. I like all of them. I I yeah. honestly do. I honestly like all of them. Uh, the Last Crusade. The Last Crusade yeah, is probably my favorite. Um, but, like, I feel like a lot of people have the nostalgia glasses on when they think sure. about the the first three movies. And there was a lot of outrageous stuff in those, too. And, yeah, oh, yeah. We, get into, we get aliens and the whole, you know, living through the nuclear explosion with by getting in the refrigerator, the refrigerator. is dumb and stuff like that. But, like... Swinging with the monkeys that Shia LaBeouf dubbed, is, is, that's not that outrageous compared to some of the other stuff that we see in the other movies. You, Temple of Doom has a dude reaching into another guy's chest and pulling his heart out. Like, yeah. It, it's it's kind of out there. Bahumshima. Like, rips it out. <laughs> so, I will be there to watch this movie because, honestly, I want more movies like Indiana Jones. I want that sense of, of adventure movie. I want that, like, like I like the National Treasure movies because it's yeah. it's a, it's kind of the same thing. I want more Laura Croft movies because it's the same thing. Like just going on an adventure to find a thing is cool to me. I like that stuff. So well, the good thing is uh, you're probably going to get Nathan Drake. You're going to get some Tom Holland. Nathan that's Drake true. We are getting movies. We are getting that. So I mean that that might fill that that hole in my heart that I'm that I'm, I'm missing. Uh, when you know when a long a while ago when they were talking about Chris Pratt coming in to play a younger version of Indiana Jones, I could I was all about that too. I was like, sure, why not? It's better than some of the other stuff that he's done, other than Guardians of the Galaxy, like like the, those Lost World movies or those Jurassic Park movies, the, or Jurassic World movies. Yeah. Sorry, it's like those to me, those are horrible. I, I can't stand them. I don't. I yeah, I don't disagree with you on that and and again like i don't know it's i don't know why i feel this way but like even just thinking of those two it's like you know i look at crystal skull and i'm like well i just don't really buy shia as you know the person that the torch is being handed to right but like for some reason in my mind like if i'm seeing this uh, you know on-screen thing of like Harrison Ford passing the metaphorical torch to someone I do kind of buy Chris Pratt and I, I don't know why that is but I I, 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 I think could it, totally see that a little bit more than Shia I, and I don't know why I think it's because I you really get that feel of Star-Lord being a mix between Indiana Jones and Han Solo like just especially that first scene that you see him in in the first Guardians of the Galaxy like it's him Going up to the thing, kind of wondering if okay, I need to use this to get the the device out of there, kind of thing. Like I don't know. 
I guess I could see. No, I, I guess that's a very fair point. And, and you know, I guess when you kind of think of uh, Shia's filmography, there there's not really an equivalent. Yeah, right. I mean, like I can't think of anything where I'm like, oh yeah, he's this great world-renowned adventurer. And it's like with you know with Guardians of the Galaxy, you're right. Like he he's maybe not like you know he's kind of more infamous, but mm-hmm. like you know he's like oh I'm Star Lord. You haven't you haven't heard of me? What do you mean? You know, it's like he still has kind of that egocentric drive to him that like Indiana Jones has. And so I, I guess I guess you're right. I guess it's easier to uh, assimilate him to kind of a mental image because of his other roles, but. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think that genre um, is one that we don't get as often as a lot of other film types, right? Like the kind of action adventure. I mean, there's a lot of action adventure, but kind of like that, you know, historic exploration action adventure type thing. I don't think we get a lot of, you know, it kind of comes in waves. Like you said, it was like Indiana Jones and then like a little bit of Lara Croft and, and it kind of just it wasn't anything mm-hmm. for like a long period of time. So I, I, I agree. I'm down. Like, it's, I just, and I don't even care if it's like outlandish. Like, the alien thing, I don't think bothered me because, like, that still seems very reasonable to me. Like, aliens probably really do exist, right? I mean, the universe is pretty substantial in size. Like, to think that we're the only ones in it yeah. seems pretty conceited. It's, uh, yeah, well, yeah. And uh, like, it seems, I don't know, that seems more believable to me for some reason than like half of the stunts in Fast and the Furious <laughs> 8 or whatever it was, you know? So like, I, I don't think it's that. I just think they need to like really focus on like the story. And I, I just feel like that kind of was missing... Or maybe it was just like, a, I don't know, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it, but maybe it just felt convoluted at the time. Maybe it didn't feel like it was like this really well-packaged, put-together story. So I think if they do that, I'm, I'm on board. I would love to see it. Okay. All right. Uh, have you ever heard of the actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> it Ah, mm. Sounds familiar? It rings a bell, but his name sounds so familiar to this guy who makes, like, really bomb tequila. <laughs> and I'm not... It's weird. Is it good I, tequila? It is really good. I'm not even a tequila person. And I tried it, and I was like, ooh, wow, this could be... This could be bad. Like... <laughs> Have you tried his new uh, energy drink? Zoa? I have not, no. I think, what it's, is it? I think it's pronounced Zoa. No. Z-O-A. Z-O-A. No, um, the only reason I ask... So... I don't know if you remember back in 2017, like The Rock announced on his social media, or not mm-hmm. so much announced, but just said, like, yeah, I, I seriously considered running for president. Ooh. Then you have a couple months ago, his NBC show, uh, Young Rock, mm-hmm. came on, and it's all about him. Uh, essentially, he's having interviews with uh, Randall Park, Randall Park playing Randall Park. Interesting. Uh, and it's set a little bit further in the future from now. And it's, it's all about him on his presidential run, like his run to being the president. And he's like, all right, so I'm going to tell you stories about myself as a kid so that anything that all the bad things I did as a kid can be out there and people can't just like spring it on me. Like hmm. no one, no one's going to be like, gotcha. Yeah. It's like, I'm telling the story myself. Just air the laundry. So that, that's, that's what that show is about. That's it come. So he also went on to be like, uh, if, it's that uh, I uh, would consider a presidential run in the future if that's what the people wanted. So Newsweek <laughs> went and ran, I guess, a poll or talked to people. 46% want Dwayne The Rock Johnson as president. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what their headline said. At least 46% of Americans would support a presidential run from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, according to a new poll. Uh, and then The Rock went on to his Instagram and posted the picture and was like i'm humble he's it's humbling i don't think our founding fathers ever envisioned a 6-4 bald tattooed half blacked half, half samoan te- tequila drinking pickup truck driving fanny pack wearing guy joining their club but if it ever happens it'd be my honor to serve you the people hmm. how do you feel about the rock running for president and then you know if it went well, becoming the president of the United States. So I don't believe that poll first off. Okay. <laughs> um, 
That number seems low. Oh, forty-six okay. percent. No way. It, it's got to be like in the high eighties for sure. Um, every every I have never, never in my life met a single person who's like I don't like The Rock. I mean, that's true, but the presidency should not be a popularity contest. We we all need to know if he runs what kind of you know platforms he he runs on. So here's here's my thoughts on that. And we I know we genuinely try to shy away pretty heavily or or yeah, we typically shy away from politics on this mm-hmm. show. We usually mm-hmm. get very political, but I don't think the rock could do any worse than just about any other president we've ever had. Okay. I really don't. I mean, Ronald Reagan was an actor and became president. This is true. Uh, our last president, uh, Donald Trump, was a reality TV star and a multiple failed business person, and uh, he got elected president. He did. So, I mean, uh, I'm just saying, like, we've had a lot of people in, in, in the presidency, and I... I really don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think he would do that bad of a job. He seems like a very reasonable guy. Um, you know, he has had an an incredible career. I mean, he went from being broke and, and having no money to being, I think, the highest paid actor on the planet currently. I don't know if he was the highest paid actor, but he was the... The highest earner. The earner, box office yes, earner or whatever, yes. right? He yeah. earned the most money, yeah. So that, and then, I mean, you know... He, but he obviously has a lot his finger finger in a lot of different pies. Exactly. I mean, he just started, you know, the the tequila company a few years ago, the energy drink thing. I mean, he's going to eventually. He's going to be. He's supposed to start. He's supposed to have started production on Black Adam this past week. Okay. So yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like I don't. It's weird, right? Because I don't think there's like a specific thing that's ever going to prepare someone for being president. I think that's the type of job that you're never going to really understand the gravity of it until you're in it. And I, and I, you know, again, we've had people that weren't politicians be president, you know, so I, I personally like, I don't think it's a bad idea. He seems like a big hearted, very kind, um, humanity first type individual and you know putting someone like that in in charge of our country and surrounding them by brilliant minds that can help advise him i think there's a lot worse we could do as <laughs> as a, as a country i mean i i'm i'm in the same boat as you i do i do think that uh it just gets us and i hate invoking this movie because i don't care for it <laughs> but it gets us to idiocracy faster right like Does it though? President Camacho being a ex-professional wrestler, you know, lawyer, whatever it was that he was, and he's just uh, up there in an American flag shooting guns off and giving off uh, professional wrestling speeches. Well, true, but, you know, again... I, I mean, don't think The Rock will do all that. Right. I'm just saying yeah. it sets a precedent that, you know, maybe we get that afterwards. We're running low on burrito casings. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I, I think... There is kind of this. Obviously, that's a, a you know hyper sensationalized mm-hmm. uh, satire, mm-hmm. right? But I think if that was our mindset of being like, oh, well, he's an ex wrestler, it's like, well, that's not a derogatory thing. No. I mean, there's plenty of people that were in entertainment industry that are incredibly, incredibly intelligent. I mean, we have a lot of people that are in all types of the entertainment industry that have, that are like graduated from like you know, Ivy League schools, if that's like your standard of like, oh, well, this person's educated enough, which again, I I don't personally think any of those things um, really should nullify you for like, I don't think you should have to go to an Ivy League school to even be considered to be president. And clearly, again, I, I, and I could be wrong on this, but I think we just came off a president who, as far as I know, does not have an Ivy League education. And I think we've had a bunch of presidents that didn't have an Ivy League education or even a background in lawmaking or, or you know, the legal system or uh, a lifetime dedication of, uh, you know, public service or whatever, right? Like, you know, so I don't think that inherently any of those things should be just qualifying metrics, you know? And again, I think if you are staring down two different candidates and one of them's like, oh, well, I've spent my entire year in politics, I've graduated from an Ivy League school, but I just hate humanity, and then you have The Rock, (laughs) I still, I think I'm going to take The Rock. Like, he just has an air of humanity about him and seems to care more about people and human life than this other imaginary candidate that I'm describing in this particular (laughs) example, right? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I... 
I think that's the most American thing that I you would ever hear, though. Like, if that's not the American dream, going from having no money to, you know, becoming a professional wrestler and then moving into becoming one of the largest actors and most well-known and respected people. He's also, like, the most followed person on Instagram. Like, his list of accolades, like, <laughs> is not ending. And, you know, he obviously has made incredibly smart decisions uh, across all those things. Because if he wasn't, he would still be where he was, right? Like, he's continued to evolve and grow, and obviously he's, he's made remarkable, like, he's at least showcased um, remarkable decision-making uh, abilities because he has gone from having nothing to being in so many different arenas, you know? And, and if that's not impressive, I don't know what is. Like, I mean, that to me is genuinely very impressive. And that's not that's not taking anything away from someone who at a very early age is like, I want to go into public service. I mean, if your heart and mind is to go into public service to do that, and that is your motivation to help people, that's a very noble thing. Uh, I think the unfortunate reality is there's this huge perception that most everyone in politics is in it for money and is corrupt. And I would say, you know, that stereotype is probably not without some findings, right? It's not baseless, um, and it's kind of unfortunate that that's what we have come to associate that thing, that, that with. But I do think there's a lot of people at all levels of government from local to, you know, all the way up to the White House that, you know, do want and are trying to make things genuinely better for us as a country and and the world as as a whole, right? So, I th I'm just saying. I think we could and probably somewhere throughout all of American history have done worse than The Rock. <laughs> just saying. Okay. The last thing I wanted to bring up before we get to our movie. Yeah. Space Jam: A New Legacy. <laughs> we got a trailer for the LeBron James sequel of Space Jam to the Michael Jordan Space Jam movie. Um. I, first off, I just want to say I have never really been a big fan of the movie. As like I, I know it hits a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people. I just I, no, it never hit the thing for me. Like it never became one of my movies as a kid. Well, uh, and that's the yeah. When did that even? I don't even remember when that. It's got to be early nineties. Came out right ninety four, ninety six, ninety six. Really, this Mission Impossible. Jeez, what? Would not have expected that. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of makes more sense because. We would not have been super, super young when that came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been so. 14, starting high school, so. Yeah, so I think maybe that, because, I mean, you said that, and I totally agreed with you. I was like, yeah, I, I never, I never, like, was like, oh, Space Jam, this yeah. is my jam, <laughs> right? You know, like, never, never had that, so I agree with you. How do you feel about it? Th so this time around, we're not just sticking to... Uh, Looney Tunes, they are diving into anything that Warner Brothers owns. Uh, you see in the little thing that he is writing down, he's got Superman, Iron Giant, uh, a couple other names. King Kong. King Kong. Definitely in there. Uh, we, we see King Kong. We see mm -hmm. Iron Giant later in the trailer. Uh, it does seem like they are doing a lot more of just the, the tunes in the tune squad of basketball players. However... I don't know if you caught this. I saw it going around the internet. The the uh, the bad guys from Clockwork Orange are in the movie. What? Yes. I, I know they have a certain term for their group, and I don't remember what it is. But yeah, they are cheering on LeBron James at one point. Like, I don't exactly know what we're going on. What's going on with this movie? This is a family movie. Those are rapists. <laughs> um... I, I definitely did not catch that in the trailer. I, I don't remember. See, I, I mean, I definitely, I don't know. Was it, is it someone saying it's in the trailer? It's in the trailer. It is in the trailer. It's in the trailer. I, I definitely did not see that, but I would agree with you. That, that, um, that's a strange, that's a very strange, uh, call. I, I, all of it feels really strange, right? Because, I mean, I feel like I liked that movie better when it was, you know, Ready Player One, right? Which I'm sure... It seems a lot like Ready Player One. Yeah. I'm sure a ton of people have made that joke. They have. That's definitely what it is. Especially with like. the Iron Giant Iron Giant showing and, up. And God, or, uh, King Kong. And King Kong. That's King right. Kong's King Kong is in, is in Ready Player One. Yeah. At the very beginning. So, I, I, I don't know. It's... 
I blame Marvel, right? Like, what? <laughs> you had to out. have a cinematic universe, yeah. connect everything. Now we got to have one. Right, yeah. Warner Brothers is like, oh, well, okay, we'll outdo you. We'll connect every movie we've ever made. It's like, not every movie you ever made needs to be connected to a family <laughs> film that's rated G or PG. Like, that's... Uh, but yeah, that seems like a very strange choice. And you see in the trailer, you see uh, Lola Bunny, which at that point, they had not announced that Zendaya is going to be doing the voice of Lola Bunny. Like, mm. I also, I, I always find it, like, obviously you have to draw the, draw the whole thing out before you can uh, do anything else. So you, they're going to, they got, I assume they get the voice actors to come in afterwards, like kind of thing. I mean, uh, yeah, I would. I guess it depends. Like I, every production could be a little bit different, but yeah, you would think so, unless they were some for some reason doing. The I guess the Simpsons do it the low. other way around. The Simpsons, but they've been doing it forever. They yeah, they do the they have the group come in, read the lines, and then leave, and then animate the animators around animate around that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think either one of them would work, but I mean. I don't know. I would agree with you. It seems like it would be more practical to like be able to show those actors. Because, again, you're right. The Simpsons have been doing it for years. Those those voice actors know those characters inside and out at this point. Like, you know, but when you have something like this, you know, I could see it being helpful for um, you as an actor who's lending your voice to a character to be able to see and help you understand what's going on mm, versus mm. just, you know... Oh, I'm gonna do a performance, and then we're gonna animate. But I mean, again, that's just my assumption. I could go; it could go either way. I guess. So, how do you feel about this movie coming coming out of the trailer? I mean, you know, it's like you said; neither one of us had you know an attachment to it when we were young. So, there's not really a strong nostalgic, um, you know, force there for either one of us. I still think we're not the demographic for this movie at this point. Um, I also am not a huge basketball fan, so it's not like I'm like, oh, like, I gotta go watch it for LeBron, you know? Like, so, I mean, will I watch it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll probably see it at some point. Um, do I have really high hopes for it? No, but it's also not, it's not really targeted towards us either, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. No. Uh, this is directed by Malcolm Dealey, it is produced by Ryan Coogler. Mm. Uh, Malcolm D. Lee made one of my favorite like movies that's like go-to of just if I need something or if it's on, I'll watch it. It's Roll Bounce. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the Bow Wow movie about roller skating. Uh, I don't know. It's just one of my favorite movies. So, Well, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's a good sign. Maybe. Because right? I also really like a lot of Ryan Coogler's films as yeah. well. So, I, I mean, it'd be very curious to see how it plays out with, you know, the two of them involved and... Uh, yeah, I, I I think it's again it's I think it's challenging because we're not really you know who's targeted for this, but I, I think you know it does look like a film that I think a lot of younger people would probably enjoy. Well, you only got a couple more months. It's July sixteenth, twenty twenty one, and since it's a Warner Brothers movie, it will be released day and date on HBO Max. Interesting. So there you go. Well, I got no reason not to watch it. You then. have no reason not yeah. to watch it. You yeah. already have HBO Max. Yeah. I don't have to pay to go watch it in a theater or anything. So. <laughs> so, that brings us to our movie of the night. We are talking about Sound of Metal, yeah. uh, starring Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, uh, and a few other people, but those are the two main, main stars. Yeah. Um, directed by Darius Martyr. I don't know if I've... Heard? He's relatively new. He okay. did, uh, I believe, just one other directive film before this, which was, I think, a documentary in about the early early mid two thousands called uh, Loot. Mm -hmm. uh, outside of that, he, I think, had most of his credited work as an editor. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I I don't know if I if I would say this is his directorial debut. Um, just because he did a documentary, but then again, you're like, well, that's a documentary. It's a little bit different. So it, I think you could make an argument that this is his narrative feature film directorial debut. So he also uh, he wrote this movie also, mm. and he also wrote the screenplay for The Place Beyond the Pines, which I know oh. you've seen, but I did not see. Yeah. Um, how did you? That actually, for some reason, makes a lot of sense. Does it? Do you it get does. the same sense of of themes and and feeling? Um. I would say that not so much the 
I would uh, maybe I would I guess it's been a little while since I've seen the place beyond the pines so like I'd have a hard time referencing the the theme of it but uh, definitely the characterizations and the world um, have very similar connective tissue like in, just in terms of visuals and stuff too like when you think of how Riz Ahmed's visual appearances in this with like the sleeveless shirts and the tattoos and all that sort of stuff has very similar to uh, Ryan right. Gosling's character in Place uh, Beyond the Pine. So yeah, I could see the parallels for sure. So I have a lot of a lot of like n- n- not being able to relate in this movie sure. because one, I, I do not have I have not lost my hearing. Right. I am not an addict. I have not had that struggle in my life and I really felt like I had a hard time not so much connecting with Riz Ahmed's character of uh, Ruben because he does an amazing job he, he's, he's an incredible actor I just really had issue with I really felt like nobody sat this character down sat Ruben down and explained to him what was happening now whether or not that was a choice by the director not to show it um, I just really felt like there was a lot of scenes weren't weren't there for me as a viewer. Uh, he he learns, you know, he, he it's like almost like a light switch. Mm-hmm. He just starts stop. He stops hearing. He stops having that ability. Uh, he he hopes that it's going to go away. It doesn't go away. He goes to see a doctor the next day. Says the doctor's like, "You're never going to get that back. That's just not going to happen." Uh, he finally tells his girlfriend, played by Olivia Cook. It, they you know he has he has some anger issues he 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 regresses back into himself she calls his sponsor sponsor says here i can i can help you but like i feel like there's a whole lot of other steps that should be happening in there like someone should be there to be like hey this is what's happening to you this is what we need to do next like everybody's just kind of telling him to do something instead of like asking him how he needs to, he, or what he wants to do. Uh, we get to this, this special home mm-hmm. for addicts that are also deaf. And once again, I am not a counselor. I don't know about therapy. I don't know about how it is that you need to deal with certain people, especially this very specific situation that, that Ruben finds himself in. But I, I understand they're treating this almost like a rehab a rehab or rehabilitation but like he hasn't actually relapsed uh, relapsed yeah. like ha- cutting him off from the world that he knows making you know not really like just learn to be deaf is the thing that he writes on there it's like what does that mean like to me it doesn't make any sense yes this movie does a lot of the show it doesn't do a lot of the tell which is what I complain about most of the time is that a lot of these movies do uh, tell and not show. But I also feel like you need to tell me a little bit of what, about what's going on because the show in this happens a lot. I wouldn't feel like off screen, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It, it does. And I think it's really funny in the sense that, you know, we just kind of established that this, this, uh, this guy is kind of a... Uh, more of an editor, right? And yes. then it's like right, right, we talked right. not long ago about the Snyder cut and what can happen if you completely unleash a director without anyone telling them no. Exactly. Um, this almost feels like the same thing in reverse. Like <laughs> it's like he cut too much and too quickly, like trying to keep the movie like moving forward. Because again, like it, it has the potential to be a very, very slow, very drawn out story. And it's it does feel um like it it skips and hops forward at a, at a very quick rate. Um, like I, we got to the end of the movie and I, I even asked, I was like, how much time did he spend in the facility? Like, right. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, it's, it's enough for her to cut her hair, change the color. You know, like I, I don't know how long that stuff could take, but she is, I don't know, either grown out of her uh, or out of him or moved done, decided to do something different with her life. I don't, I think it, 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 yes, it's it is it is very challenging to nail down a specific timeline of you know how long uh, he was at this deaf community or this you know rehabilitation center that also supports the deaf community. Um, 
but I think I think there's a lot of and it's like you said there's I think there's I would have to preface this as well like I've I don't battle addiction and I don't know what that's like and obviously I'm also not uh, deaf or or dealing with any sort of thing like that as well so I think there is a lot of you know things that feel very foreign to us you know since we don't have any experience with those things um I think there's a couple things that I kind of interpreted from it is one that he obviously is an addict and that they're hyper concerned about the, because obviously this is going to be a, a very big life changing thing. Right. And so, especially for him because he's a musician on top of this. Um, and so I think it's more coming from a place of like, you know, we as addicts understand what this where this path could take him very quickly and i think it's just trying to get ahead of it as fast as possible so that it doesn't become an issue that walks him into a relapse or out of sobriety i think the other thing that kind of feels implied is it, well he says it you know he's talking to um i can't for life remember the character's name but the um the head of the house yeah the head of the of the like joe yeah is it joe okay he's talking to him when they kind of first meet and you know he's like oh you know so you're sober and he's like yes and he's like how long have you been sober he's like four years and he's like well how long have you and lou been together and it's like four years so i feel like the two of them met they were in this like horrible destructive life cycle and you know obviously she's alluding to the fact that she was also using drugs she's also sober she's got like cutter marks on her arm where she was self-harming and it looks like he has some burn marks on his chest where he was probably also self-harming and there's a scene later where um, spoiler alert, which you probably should know by now if you're listening yes, to the show. Exactly. But, but um, yeah, there's a part toward the end of the film where they are reuniting and, you know, he's telling her, like, you saved my life, but she's like, you saved my life too. But then I think they're both kind of realizing in that moment that even though they love each other and even though they kind of pulled each other out of that darkness, it does always create a gateway for the two of them to relapse back into that. And I think that's kind of, you know, I think that's kind of where that whole thing came from as well. Right. Cause like, again, it could have been six months. And I mean, to me, it feels like they were probably apart for a year or more. Um, but I mean, it could have only been six months, but I mean, six months when you're, you know, potentially at the darkest you know, or coming out of the darkest, roughest, rock bottom moment of your life, uh, I would have to imagine that six months probably feels like a lifetime, you know? So, I mean, it probably does open up the possibility for them to both have completely still love and care for each other, but also understand that them together is a gateway for them to potentially fall back into this lifestyle that, at some point was really bad for both of them is my guess. Like that's kind of my interpretation of what I saw, but I do agree with you. I think there's a lot of things and to be fair, this could be a creative choice, right? Because obviously Ruben's whole life is getting turned upside down. There's a lot of things that he's not going to have time to digest or understand and has to go with the flow. So I think there could be an argument for your creative choice there that, you kind of are trying to sweep your audience up into this world when, and you know, this is not a joke of him becoming deaf in the movie, but I also think he was not listening because the first doctor that he goes to is like, your hearing is not coming back. Right. And he completely refuses to accept that. So, you know, there's a lot of times where we're sort of being taken through this character's journey through their perspective, but not their direct POV, not their visual POV, but certainly their perspective. And so I almost like, and again, some of this could also just be making excuses, but I mean, it's the subjectivity of film, right? Is it to me, I feel like maybe that was a creative choice to show that his character was just unwilling to accept what anyone else was telling him. And so we're just not shown that because that's not his reality, mm-hmm. maybe. Again, that's not to say that things could not have been done in a more um, direct mannerism or in a clearer mannerism, because I do agree with you. I think there are times in this film where it, it does feel like there's gaps or like i said there's like leaps and jumps to these next beats and moments in the story that you're kind of like 
wait, what? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. I also think I have a little bit of an advantage over you as well because I watched it last night and then uh, we watched it again uh, right before recording this. So I think I also have a little bit of like that because I did see it twice. So I think maybe that made things a little clearer as well. That's that's fair. Maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, the story is 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 written well to the point that you have not that it would be anybody who suddenly wakes up one day and is no longer able sure. to hear sure. uh, is going to struggle hard. Yeah, but this is a musician, a person who relies on their hearing for yeah. their livelihood. Yeah. Um. Well, and 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 probably even stronger than even that is their identity their identity you're right yeah Yeah, exactly um so to have that extra struggle and 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 more of their identity because it's not just him it's his girlfriend the person that he he loves Mm -hmm. that they're in this band together um to have them to go through that kind of struggle to have to figure out what it what who they are even more so now uh, it shows shows the the writing as well mm-hmm. is is good. I mean, what what for you? If one day the one thing went away, it doesn't have to be hearing. But what what's that that thing? Would it be your eyes, your your sight? I, if, to me, that's what it, I feel like it would be. It'd be my sight. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like I would agree with you. I mean, like I think you know it would certainly be hard to lose any one of your your senses right especially after you've lived a good portion of your life with it and then it's suddenly for uh, like and they never explain it like no one's able able to give him an answer as to what it is and i I really think that that's the the director uh saying like that's not the important part sure that's that's the the important part is him having to deal him having to figure figure out his life which is where i get the issue with like Later on, when Joe, you know, very much is against the cochlear, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, cochlear implant, and I, I, it, as I understand it, you know, that is a very hot button topic in mm-hmm. that community, in the sure. deaf community. I and and I can't I can't sit here, to, I can't sit here and say that I understand because I don't, I, I really sure. don't. Um, but I think one of the biggest troubles I have is that if I was in a car accident tomorrow and I lost my leg. If someone told me that I'm not being reasonable because I want to get a prosthetic leg, that seems wrong to me. It's not like Ruben sitting there telling everybody that they need to get the cochlear implant. Like this is the, the way that they should be doing it. This is, he's making a decision for himself mm-hmm. and to be, to me seems very ostracized by Joe or even looked down on or, uh, you know, told that he has to leave mm-hmm. i understand that there's other stuff there like he broke certain rules that joe had and stuff like that to, when he got to that point but it just seemed it seemed it doesn't seem like the right reaction to me yeah i yes and again i think that's a really tough scene as well because yeah he broke the rules but I don't really think that it was about the rules. Like he was in a position where they, you know, told him like, Hey, you know, you can get this implant. Um, but they did kind of tell him, you know, your hearing's not going to come back. Right. And so, and we, we learn that even after he gets the implant, it's not, it's not the same. It's not the same. No. And I really feel like that's a discussion. I'm sure someone had with him, but we never saw. Well, and again, and, and I think that is, Right. We definitely did not see it. And and I I totally agree with you. I think there is a lot of things that if they were willing to make the pacing of this a little bit slower, I I do think there's still a lot of important moments that could have been in there to help illustrate those things. Because you're right. You know, obviously someone would have had a very lengthy conversation with him. I just think it was more of of his unwillingness to accept anything other than I'm doing this and it's going to be perfect. It's going to be back the way it was. Like mm-hmm. he he couldn't let go of that. I think the whole thing for me in that scene that you're talking about between him and Joe is there are probably a lot of you know obviously there's a lot of people at this facility that are also dealing with traumas and going through things and stuff like that and. 
I think it just becomes a situation of it's like, okay, well, he's someone who is a candidate for this. And again, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I, I don't know medically how any of that stuff is like, maybe everyone is a candidate for the implants, but the way this movie makes it feel is that, like, this is not just something everyone can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what kind of, you know, he, they have this conversation about him becoming really important and like people looking up to him with inside of this community specifically. And they, they talk about him having a future there and continuing to move forward to help mentor and kind of like uh, guide and, and help these other people kind of deal with the same thing what kind of message does it send to all of them? What kind of damage does it do to everyone else that's there? If you know, you're like, well, this is someone who's built themselves up to be this person, but now they can't let go. Like they can't accept that. And you're a person that that's not an option for, you know, I, to me, it felt more like that. And, and I, I did feel uh, like, it was kind of really breaking Joe's heart to tell him he couldn't stay there. Like I felt genuinely that he did want to help him because he seemed like a pretty helpful person. He, uh, he seemed stern, mm-hmm. like very stern, mm-hmm. um, but he did feel to me like he's a very helpful person. So I think it just becomes a situation where he had to put the needs of everyone else before the needs of Ruben. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was easy for him to do that but I felt like that was the circumstance maybe again. I don't know that it showed that well, or that it was that effectively communicated on the screen. Um, but that's kind of what I got out of it. Okay. That's fair. Um, let's talk technical. How did you feel about the way that this was filmed? Um, I know at at one point you were very happy with the establishing shot that was shown. Yeah. No, I mean it's there's a um there's a lot of kind of like wider shots like epic or extreme wide depending upon how you want to, you know, clarify it or or constitute it or whatever, but uh there's like a lot of really wide shots in this that I think do a really good job of kind of like isolating Ruben and making him feel uh, visually very tiny. And and I would imagine that's what his character is going through. And I think it's also to kind of help establish that the world is is just a massively large place and you kind of have to let go of your ego. You kind of have to let go of those things that you can't control, right? So I think from a thematic statement, they kind of captured that with some of the shots. Um, uh, obviously, I think that uh, I, I would have to look it up, but I can't imagine it, it isn't up for a nomination of sound mixing. Or, uh, I would be shocked. I would be if, shocked too. Yeah, like this, if, the if movie does an amazing job. Of, yes. Of, I mean, it does the it does the thing of of when he loses his hearing, we are there with him. Mm-hmm. Like it, we only hear what he hears. Yeah. Uh, when he's around uh, the deaf community and they're using sign language, we don't get to see the subtitles because he, he doesn't know sign know language. Sign yet. language. Yeah. Uh, when he does learn it, we we finally get to know what everybody else is saying around him. And you get the subtitles. And you get the subtitles, and uh, you get to you get to see like as the world changes sound wise for him, it changes for us. Mm-hmm. Even to the point where, you know, when he gets the cochlear implants and, and it sounds like someone talking through, it sounds like uh, uh, Poltergeist, the little girl talking yeah. through the TV. It does. Or a, a Zoom a Zoom meeting uh, or True. like a, a, you know, a True. conference call that's like cutting out on you almost, you know. So uh, we get to, and we get to, so yeah, the sound design in this is, is great. It's, it's very much, and it would, it would have to be like a, a movie about someone losing their hearing yes yeah no i i would agree with you i'd be kind of shocked if it wasn't nominated for sound design um it's you know it it looked to me and again i could be wrong on this but it looked to me like this was shot on film it has a very filmic look to it there's also a lot of stuff they did with like the lighting and like which side the lighting on so whether they were doing like short side or broad side of lighting based on kind of like the tonality of the story and what was happening in it. And I thought that was, again, there's a lot of really smart uh, cinematic choices. And it's like you're talking about with like the, the subtitles and like all that sort of stuff and the shots and the lighting. And, and we talked, um, I think it was our last episode. We talked about Nomadland, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's funny because I felt like that story I feel, okay, let me rephrase that. I feel like this movie, the sound of metal was what I was expecting Nomadland to be. Oh, okay. Like, that very kind of, like, 
filmic cinematic narrative in a drama and then no man land feels very humanistic to me and very like just raw and kind of organic but then the sound of metal feels like that very and it's weird to say polished but for lack of better term it feels like this very methodical polished oscar type of movie Mm -hmm. um which is not like a dig it's not a bad thing I just, for some reason, like, the the element of Nomadland haunted me and, like, kind of stayed with me because it felt uncomfortably human. And I feel like if The Sound of Metal had walked more of that line um, combined with Riz Ahmed's performance, because, like, his performance is incredible, um, I, I think it would have been insanely powerful. Like, it's still a very powerful movie, but I just can't even imagine what that would have done for me, like as an audience member, which is, I guess, kind of a weird comparison, but tonality, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Like the shooting styles or the thought behind them also seem to feel very similar to me as well. So, um, yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of just, I mean, in the technical, both world. movies have, <coughs> excuse me, have that, uh, journey of, of yeah. being in a reality and then having to eventually accept it. Right. Like it's, that's kind of yeah. what you get uh, from both of those. And they're both very like, well, they say gypsy in the sound of metal and they say nomad in, in nomad land, but <laughs> they both have kind of that like life in the, in the road type of thing. And in, in, in the film, you know, they're not, they're both kind of like all on the run from their past. And, and so, you know, there's, it's weirdly, there's a lot of parallels between the two of them, but they're they're completely separate movies at the same time. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely correct. Um, do you think that, uh, this one has the, the gump, the gumption, the, the ability to win to take best picture? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, of course, I think it has the ability to, um, I feel a little, I don't know. I feel a little short-sighted in saying that because we have. I, I haven't watched all the other Oscar nominations. I still need to see um, the Father and um, oh, what's the other one? Minari Judah and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. And Minari. I, I think those are maybe the only three I have left at this point. I'm, I'm looking it up at the moment. Because uh, there was like what eight this year? There, I know I, there was less than there wasn't ten this there year. There wasn't ten. There was like eight. Was there eight or nine? There might have been nine, but I feel, I don't know, eight's the first number that jumped in my head for some reason, so I feel, I feel like that's right, but I'm not sure, because we had, obviously, we had uh, No Man Land, we had Sound of Metal, uh, Maneri, um, Judah and the Black Messiah, The Father, mm, Here we go. Mank. Best Picture is uh, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. So we saw, we've seen Trial of Chicago 7, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, and Mank. So yes, we only have three left to do. Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Father. Yeah, so So of the... We watch those. I was going to say, well, okay, but as of now, of the five that you have seen, which one do you think is the most likely to win? I, well... (laughs) It's if I was to say which one I would pick. Okay, that's better. Um, I I, w- I would probably say Nomadland. Um, again, just because it, like I said, when we watch it, it's hard to articulate, you know. And I, I think I tried to do the best that I could with it, but that just does not feel like any other movie that I've watched. It just feels very different, and. I, to me, that's very refreshing, right? Like, because again, and that's not to to say anything derogatory towards any of these other f- films or to take anything away from how how great they are, right? Like, if anything, I think the benchmark is really quite high, which I kind of don't feel like has been the case for the last few years. I feel like within the last few years, it's there's been kind of more of a definitive, or at least I've had more of a, a definitive stance. Like, oh, it's between these two, and like now I'm like, woo, like this is tough like there has been a lot of really kind of powerful movies that that are in there um and and arguably we still have three to go but 
when I stop and think about how I felt and um, what has resonated or stayed with me, yeah, it's been Nomadland, which, again, I was just completely not expecting that, like, at all. Like, I I would never, like, if I, if somebody was to just tell me that, like, those movies and I hadn't seen any of them, I would not have thought that that was the one that was going to kind of haunt me, for lack of a better term. That You know what I mean? Um, and even then, it's... It still had things that I, I think could have been done differently, you know, like every, and, and that's the thing behind every film, like every film, you know, is up against time, money, and a mountain of other circumstances, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to say that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you? I mean, like what is... At this moment, yeah. I would say, and as much as you were, you're saying that, you know, um, no, Nomadland is a, is a different movie than you'd yeah. seen before. A promising young woman like interesting i think that is a different movie than i have ever seen before and i think that's i think that's the one that that i would say is hmm. i would pick for for taking it sure and, and you know to be fair i would agree that that is a, it also feels very different than what you're used to seeing like i was totally caught off guard by it again not a movie i was expecting when when i watched it and was kind of like where is this going so yeah i could see that too um Again, I think it's great that there's so many strong competitors. You know, again, I feel like that hasn't really been the case. I feel like there's been like maybe a couple of strong competitors like every year, but I feel like this year we have a a lot. Like, you know, I mean, everything that we've watched, I think we've liked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think there's any of them that we watched. We're like, I was like, well, you with Mank, I guess, a little bit, right? Mank was a little bit not so great for me. Which, for me, you know, I don't know. I'm a sucker now. I I mean, I always thought, I was like, oh, Citizen Kane's the greatest movie ever made. I'm like, that's pretentious bullshit. (laughs) And then I had to watch it like 50,000 times to like write papers on and stuff for film school. And I'm like, well, okay. So I still, I I can't (laughs) call it that. Like, I still think it's not really, I think a more appropriate title is the most resilient movie ever made because like, my God, it, it certainly should have been destroyed based (laughs) on like what had happened. But, um, but yeah, I, so I get that. And, and I feel like there's a lot of people who are going to watch Nomadland and be like, this is not for me. You know what I mean? Like, and the same with promising young woman. I think there's going to be a lot of people that watch that too, that are like, yeah, no, um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, is out of the three that we haven't seen, which of those are you kind of looking the most uh, forward to? Well, the three I haven't seen, I'm I think I'm really looking forward to seeing Minari. Okay, like I don't I don't know if it's it's the Asian connection in me that I really want to see how that that movie does or how how it is. Um, but it's just it to me it's intriguing like i want i want to see what that like i've heard people talking about it so i kind of want to see what it's about uh, myself uh judas and the black messiah sound, looks good and and the father that's a very interesting story so honestly things i want i, I want to see in all three of them but right at the moment the three i haven't of the three i haven't seen is it's minari i want to see what that's about I think uh, I feel like I kind of agree with you because, again, I just in terms of like stories, I don't think we've heard or really seen before. Like that one seems to be, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. kind of at the forefront for that, because I don't think we we've gotten a lot of uh, films about like, you know, uh, Asian people and like, you know, them coming and and having to deal with like adjustments or, Mm -hmm. you know, culture shock and things like that. I don't feel like we've gotten as many of those and like i guess it's interesting too because from what i understand of it the the writer director i believe was the writer director like she grew up in like the midwest but also has like but she is asian and has that background so like kind of maybe autobiography uh, autobiographical in some instances but i just feel like that I, I, I agree i feel like that's just a story we haven't seen a lot of so i think that's the one that has me the most intrigued um, but I, I, I'm still very excited to watch the other two. I've, I've heard nothing but good things about all three of those movies. Um, so it definitely is going to be interesting to, after we like to talk after we've watched those three and see, see where we're at, um, with that. Yeah. Okay. If you have an opinion on this movie or any of the movies we've talked about today, uh, please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for Geek Elite Media. 
Richard, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can actually just head to uh, rycohen.com, R-I-C-O-W-N.com, and that has basically all of my social media links on it. I'm going to be honest, I haven't been very active on social media <laughs> this uh year year yeah, yeah this yeah, new this year year yeah uh life's been busy but but hey. but it's there there's a ton of backlog content if you want to go through that uh the rest of geekly media is at geekly media on twitter at geekly media on instagram and facebook.com forward slash geekly media is our facebook page check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website geeklymedia.com um if you're want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash geekly media. You can get exclusive material that only our patrons have access to and whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich show on the geekly media network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.